0: going to be continuing the series that Pastor Todd started last Sunday called Reach. Last Sunday, Pastor Todd shared with us that God reaches people around us, through us, and he gave us three keys to reaching people. First is that we need to embrace the call. Second is to be intentional. And then third is to trust God with the results. And today I want to share with you about the methods and how we can see God reach the people around us through us. Now, I have grown up in church, and so I've seen a number of different methods of trying to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. I've seen our church put on big, dramatic performances where we've been able to invite people to come, hoping that they will encounter Jesus. Uh, I have seen people go out onto the street corner and preach to strangers that are around them. Uh, I remember when I was in Seattle uh, doing my schooling that I was given some info cards and sent out into the community to go and talk to strangers on the street and invite them to come to the youth service. Now, that was not really something that I was excited to be doing. I was nervous about it, I was anxious, I I really didn't want to do it, and so I just kind of ended up wandering around the community, kind of half-heartedly looking for people, but never really actually approaching anyone. And so then I just ended up taking those info cards and like placing them on like a bench and on a ledge just kind of hoping that someone would come along and see them and somehow make their way to church. Effectively, I was littering for the gospel. That's basically all I ended up doing. Well, I came back to the church, and my friend had also been out doing the same thing. And he had come across a group of teenagers, and one of them had said to him, if God is real... What's my name? And my friend had paused for a moment and then said, Nathan. And the kid and all his friends were blown away because that was his name. But nobody was more surprised than my friend who actually God gave him the name to say. And then he had this opportunity to talk to them about Jesus and pray with them so he came back to the church and told everybody this story, and I'm standing there listening to this, thinking about putting my cards on benches and on ledges for Jesus. I've seen lots of different methods. I've seen campaigns to go door-to-door To invite people to church. I've been a part of a a number of awkward times at restaurants where somebody at my table has invited the server to come to church. For me, it makes me uncomfortable, not my favorite way of trying to reach people, but we know that God reaches people around us through us. And while God can use us, to talk to a stranger and have a five-minute conversation with them that impacts their life, the primary way that God is going to use us to reach the people around us through us is going to be through relationships, through people that we know that we're walking with through our life, people that we're willing to go on a journey with, our family and our friends and our coworkers or our neighbors, people that we see and interact with regularly. God can use us to reach them because we know that God reaches people around us through us. And I think one of the best ways that we can see God use us to reach people is when these people that we are in relationship with come to us with their questions. When they have a question about faith or they have a question or something that's going on in their life and they're willing to come to us And ask us what a great opportunity we have in those moments to share with people about Jesus. Have you ever had anyone ask you a question? Has someone come up to you and said, man, you're just always so happy. Why are you so happy? It's an opportunity. If someone comes to you and says, you know what, I'm facing a difficult decision what would you do if you were me? It's an opportunity when someone comes to us with a question. Or when, if someone says to us, you know what? I've seen something different about you. You've changed. What's going on inside of you? And these are great opportunities that we have to share about Jesus with people. The Bible talks about this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. And I want to share this verse with you. It says, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. The part I want us to look at here at the beginning is to anyone who asks you. Man, what a great way to reach people, to have people come to us and ask their questions. Wouldn't you like to reach people that way, to have people be open to hear your answer because they're coming to you with the question? So how do we see God use us in this way to reach people? As God is going to reach the people around us, through us, how do we live in a way where people come to us and ask us questions, questions about the hope that they see inside of us? Well, that's what I want us to focus on today. And to answer that question, we're gonna look at 1 Peter chapter 3. But before we go in and read several verses from this chapter, I wanna just make a quick detour to Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And it's his famous sermon where Jesus has a huge crowd of people that's around him and he goes up on the side of the mountain and he's sitting down and he's preaching and teaching to the crowd and one of the things that jesus says to them is in matthew chapter 5 verse 13 where jesus says you are the salt of the earth but if salt has lost its taste how shall its saltiness be restored it is no longer good for anything Except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Jesus says that we as Christians, we are salt. We're the salt of the earth. Salt is different. The great thing about salt is that salt can be used to enhance the flavor of meat. Uh, you can just sprinkle some of your salt onto the meat, it's gonna enhance the flavor. Uh, You can also use salt as a preservative for meat, but for salt to be effective, salt needs to be different. Salt is chemically different from the meat, and if salt is not different, then it's not really salt. If it's lost its saltiness, it's not going to be effective. It's not going to enhance the flavor, and it's not going to be a preservative. And Jesus is talking, uh, and salt at the Dead Sea or around the Dead Sea, it could lose its saltiness because it would take on these alkaline flavors from these compounds that would be added to it, and the salt would actually dissolve. And so you'd be left with what seemed to be salt, but it wasn't able to do the job of salt. And for us as Christians, we are to be salt. Salt is is different. For salt to be effective, it has to be different than the meat. And we are called to be in the world, but not of the world. We are to be different from the world. But if there's nothing different about us, if there's nothing that's recognizable about us, if we're indistinguishable from the world around us, if we're not different, can we be effective? Different gets noticed. We want to be salt. We are salt. We are to be different. If we're not different, then we're like salt that's lost its flavor that you'd throw out onto the road, is what Jesus is saying. Different gets noticed. Several years ago, as a fundraiser uh, for Haiti Arise, I let the kids of our children's ministry determine my haircut for a summer. And they voted and decided to give me a pink and green mohawk. And so I had this pink and green mohawk for the entire summer. And I, on Sunday mornings, uh, I would wake up early and Crystal, my wife, she would hairspray my hair up so it was standing nice and tall, pink and green. And I would come to church, and the kids loved it. It was lots of fun. But there was one Sunday where, right after church, I had to make a beeline up into the northwest, and I needed to stop at Market Mall and pick up a few things. And so I found myself walking down Market Mall with this pink and green mohawk. I am six foot six inches tall with a giant pink and green mohawk, and as I'm walking through the mall with Crystal, I could literally see where people would come around the corner and notice me, and their eyes would lock onto me, and everyone in the mall, it felt like, was just staring at me as I was walking through. Different gets noticed. Are we different? Are we distinguishable? And what is it for us as Christians, that makes us different. Because if we look around this room, we are a multi-ethnic church. We do not all look the same. People can't just walk in here and tell who is a Christian or who isn't based on what we look like. And our Christianity goes beyond uh, ornamental. It's not about if we're wearing a cross or not that makes us a Christian or makes us different. So what is it that makes us different? Christianity, it's not just uh, one age group that makes you a Christian. We know uh, that it's not even that we're just here this morning instead of sleeping in or enjoying the beautiful weather outside. uh, Because you have probably heard the old saying that going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. Is it that we always have our Bibles with us or that we're wearing our Christian t-shirt? What is it that makes us different, that I only listen to worship music and I only watch Christian movies? What is the difference that we are to have? Well, to answer that, I want to look at 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to go there, and if you have your Bible, I would love for you to open it up to 1 Peter chapter 3 with me. 1 Peter was written by Peter, who is a disciple of Jesus. It was written uh, several or a couple decades after Jesus had uh, died on the cross and rose from the dead and then spent 40 days with his disciples and followers before ascending into heaven. And in those few decades, Christianity has spread out from Jerusalem into the other regions of the world around them. And so churches are being planted in cities and provinces, in countries. And Peter has moved. He's now in Rome, and he's writing to Christians who, as Christianity has spread out into these other regions, they have faced some persecution. And there are Christians that are suffering persecution. Not all Christians at this time are, but there are some in specific localized places. And Peter is writing to them. He's a disciple of Jesus. Now he's a leader in the early church. And Peter knows what it's like to face persecution. He's been imprisoned several times. And he writes to this church. And in fact, shortly after writing these letters of 1 Peter and 2 Peter, Peter will die a martyr's death for Jesus. He'll be crucified by the Roman Emperor Nero just a short while after he sends out these letters. And he's writing to Christians who are facing suffering and persecution. And he's urging them to be different. And if you have your Bible, you can see uh, back in chapter 2, It begins, we're about halfway through chapter 2, he's urging them to abstain from the flesh, to be honorable in their relationships with the Gentiles, to live differently, to show respect that it's going to impact even their marriages and how they interact with the people that are around them, that they're to be different. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, Starting in verse 8, I want us to look at this together. We're going to read from verse 8 to verse 11 here. Because there's two things that Peter is going to point out to these Christians. And first is that we are to be different in our conduct, in our behavior, in our actions. That we want to be different from the people around us in what we're doing. And we show them this through our conduct, our actions, and how we're living our lives. So take a look at this with me. This is verse 8. It says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Verse 9, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Verse 11, let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. And so in these verses that we see, as Peter is describing, this is a different way for us to live our life. And it's focusing on the things that we want to have inside of us and the things that we want to do. And so in verse 8, he starts by talking about having unity of mind, about having sympathy for people. And so as Christians, verse 8, it's so chock full of great things for us to focus on that we could, as a church, just stop right here and have God speak all sorts of things to us about how we need to be united. We want to be united even in our minds To have sympathy, to rejoice with those who rejoice, and to weep with those who weep. To show that brotherly, familial love for one another. And to have a tender heart and a humble mind. But right off the bat, we can start to see that there are some differences between how Christians are to be and how the culture and the world around us, whether it's in the first century or today, that there's some differences. Unity of mind is something that our culture is not going to value the same way that we do. That we want to be united in our thinking, but our culture is going to say, no, that's, that's groupthink. You're trying to tell me how to think. It's better for us to have our own views and our own thoughts. And we shouldn't all be thinking the same way. And even qualities like sympathy, love, tenderness, humility, these are things that would be considered weak by our culture. But these are things that we are to have. Peter is urging them to have. And it goes even farther in verse 9 where Peter is telling believers that when people are evil to us, we're not to be evil to them. When they revile us, we're not to revile them. Instead, we are to bless them. I was talking with a friend this week about how as Christians oftentimes we're like, yes, I know that if people are evil to me, mean to me, if they hate me or revile me, then I, I'm going to bless them. But usually what that means for us is we will bless them up to a certain point. You know, we'll go farther than the people in our culture around us, but do we go all the way with this? You know, like, I'll, I can only take so much hatred and evil, and then if you're still going to be evil to me, I'm going to pop you one. But Jesus told us to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us. And Peter is repeating it here for us that we are to bless those who are evil to us and revile us. And Peter is writing to a church that is facing persecution. They are facing the threat of people being evil to them. This is real. And for us, in our cozy North American context where we're not being persecuted or suffering for believing in Jesus, they had to live this out. But this is something that we see Jesus talk about, and we see he lived it out in his life. He blessed those who were evil to him. We see Peter writing this, and he lived this out. He blessed those who were evil to him. And we see the first century Christians living this out even as they're suffering and being persecuted. And so for us today, as followers of Jesus, can we live this out? Because this shows the world that we are different. Verse 10, for whoever desires to love life and see good days, which is all of us, Let him keep his tongue from evil. So here's what we want to do. We want to show the world we're keeping our tongue from evil, our lips from deceit. Let's turn away from evil, in verse 11, and do good. And let's seek peace and pursue it. And so these are things that we can see that if we live this way, people are going to notice that there is a difference about us. And in verse 12, so in these few verses, Peter is talking about how we can be different in our conduct, in our thinking, in our heart, in how we're acting. And then in verse 12, it talks about how we can be different in our motivation. And it's answering the question, why are we willing to do these things? Why do we want to do these things? Because people in our culture around us, they want people to be nice to them and to be moral towards them. And most people are going to agree, yes, we want to be nice and moral and kind to people that are around us. But the big difference and separation between us as Christians is the why. Why do we want to do this? And in verse 12 it says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And so our reason for why we want to be different and live different is that we know that God sees us, that he's watching us, not as some sort of angry landlord looking and waiting for us to make a mistake, to punish us, but as an older brother who's gone before us, as a loving father who cares for us. And so this is part of the motivating factor, because we want to live this way, not just when people are around watching us, and not when there's just going to be a benefit from society seeing, oh, we're doing good things, but even when we're alone, even in private, even when no one could possibly know, we know that our Father sees us, watches us, and hears us. And so this is our motivating factor for living this way. For the first century Christians, they knew that God heard them, that God watched them, saw them, was with them, even as they are suffering. Let's continue on here in verse 13 where it says, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Well, Peter's audience is probably saying, uh, yeah, there's lots of people around, and they could slander us, and they could persecute us, and yeah, like if I'm doing good, I'm still living under the threat of this. But Peter's making a bigger point here, and let's look at verse 14. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. And this is where we see this relationship that we have with God. That when we know him and we know he's watching over us, even if we're suffering, even if it's so difficult, we know he sees us. And we don't have to be afraid or troubled by what's happening around us because of this relationship that we have with him. It's something different going on inside of us. And this leads us back to the original verse that we saw where it says, Uh, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, this is verse 15, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And so from verse 8 all the way up to here, we see a different way for us to live our life. Different way for us to think, a different way for us to act, and a different motivating factor inside of us than in the world around us. If we live this way, as difficult and hard as it is, as hard as I find it to be blessing those who are mean to me or reviling me or hating me or evil to me, as difficult as that is to live out, we see when we live this way. It's different. This is more different than being six foot six with a pink and green mohawk walking through Market Mall. This is a different way to live. This is a way that gets noticed. And it brings us to this verse. And this is where I really want to just focus in on these words here, starting at always being prepared. Look at this. Always, as believers, who believe that God wants to reach the people around us, through us, can we be always being prepared, always ready? We never know when a question is going to come. We never know when there's going to be an opportunity to share Jesus or when someone is going to come and want to talk to us. And so can we live a life that is always ready? That's a difficult thing. Always. And always being prepared. Can we be prepared? Being prepared shows that we value the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that we value it, we take it seriously, and that we value the people that are around us so that when a question comes, we will be prepared. Always being prepared. To make a defense. To make a defense means that we're willing to stand and answer courageously about what's happening inside of us. That we're not going to just roll over or concede. And I don't know about you, but I've been in many moments where I felt, man, I think this is an opportunity for me to share Jesus. Man, I think this might be a moment where I could say something, or I could share about what Jesus has done in my life. Oh, it's gone. Okay, I missed it. And then I feel bad, and I'm like, man, that was a moment that God had for me, and I blew it, and I didn't say anything, and I just kept quiet. So can we be those who, always being prepared to make a defense, not even feeling that we have to so much defend the entire Bible or defend Jesus, but to be willing to stand and speak courageously to anyone about the hope that's in us. And this next part, to anyone. And this is challenging to me again. To anyone? To anyone who asks me? Anyone. But you know what? I really don't trust their motivation in why they're asking me this question. You know, I don't really think that they're serious about it. But to anyone, that we would be prepared to make a defense, to stand and courageously speak to anyone Who asks us. This part here, to asks us. I want us to think about this for a moment. What does it mean for people to come and to ask us? First of all, Jesus said that we're to be salt. If we're not different, how is anyone ever going to come and know to ask us? If they're not seeing anything different inside of us, how would they know to ask? And secondly, you could be living Different. You could be living this out to a T. And yet, if you don't know anybody who doesn't know Jesus, who is going to come and ask you? If there's no one around you to see how different you are, will anyone come and ask? And if we're not approachable, will people ever feel like they even could ask us a question? Can we live this different way? Can we consider the people that are around us and live in a way where we're different, but where we're ready for people? We're wanting people to come and ask us the question. Anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you. A reason for the hope. What is the reason for hope that's inside of us? it's Jesus. Jesus is our reason for hope. And let's not sleep on hope there. That hope that's inside of us because of Jesus, it is very different than any other hope that we could have. The hope that we have that comes from Jesus is believing that he is working all things together for my good. That even if I'm suffering, even if it's so hard and so difficult and things aren't going my way, it's hope That things are going to improve. And that even in this lifetime, if things don't improve, that he's preparing a place for me in eternity. There is hope that comes from Jesus. But when we don't have Jesus, our hope is just tied to ourselves. And what we can do to improve ourselves and to improve our life around us. And it's to our society that we've got to improve our community. But Jesus offers us a different hope that doesn't rely on our own ability and capacity, but that relies on him. He's the reason for our hope. And it's a reason for the hope that's in you. Pastor Todd talked about this last Sunday. That this is where it's your story. People are coming, they are asking you about the reason for the hope in you. And so we get to share the personalized story of what Jesus is doing inside of us. This is where we get to tell about our story of Jesus and the hope we have because of him. The last two parts here is that we would do it with gentleness and respect. Gentleness is not a lack of power or conviction or strength, but it's those things under control. That we would have the control to when someone comes and we're so excited and we're fired up and we're ready to share. That we're not just going to blast them out of the water with our intensity and the turn or burn. And this is my moment and I've been waiting for you to come. and Gentleness. And respect. Don't blow it at the very end by forgetting and losing them because you're not respecting them. Not being respectful. So with gentleness and respect. Can we live this way? This is a different way to live. To be salt in the earth. It continues in verse 16. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. In verse 17, for it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, then for doing evil. Now, if I'm a first century Christian reading this, that's a tough verse to read as I am facing suffering and persecution. If it's God's will, well, can it be God's will? I mean, we can kind of sometimes get a little upset about Could it be God's, I I am a, a favored child. I am the head and not the tail. How could it possibly be God's will for me to suffer? But then we see, oh yeah, in the next verse where it says, for Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh but being made alive in the spirit. And this is the final point here. We are different because of Jesus Christ. We're different because of Jesus. Everything that we've talked about up to this point, we need to remember that Christ is the power source. He is the battery. He is what gives life to living different. We need to remember that without Jesus, we're really not different from the world that's around us. I am not different without Jesus. I need him to give life to these words that we see here in 1 Peter. Because without Jesus, this just becomes a list of tasks and check boxes. And am I really doing this? And oh, man, I I messed this up again. And oh, I, I didn't hold my tongue here. And oh, I didn't bless that person when they were so mean to me. And all these things. Without Jesus, it just becomes a weight and a burden. But Jesus is what makes us different. And we know that Jesus, he's the reason that our conduct and our way of living can change. He is the power source. And we know that Jesus, as it says in in verse 12, if we go back to verse 12 for a second, it says, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. We know that Jesus sees us, that he hears us, that he's with us. And just as I shared, this is the reason for our motivation and it's different from the world that's around us. But where this is different, again, from other religions or other world systems or a belief in in karma or something like that of just trying to do what's right and believing that we're going to be blessed because of it. What's different for us as Christians is what Jesus Christ has done for us. Because when Jesus was on the cross, in 1 Peter chapter 2 Uh, Verse 24, it says that when Jesus was on that tree, he bore our sins in his body. That in that moment of Jesus on the cross, all of our sin, all of our mistakes, all of our unrighteousness was put on Jesus. And in that moment, as it says in, in verse 12, if we can put that up there again, that God He sees, his eyes are on the righteous, his ears are open to their prayer. Well, for Jesus in that moment, as he bore our sin on the cross, the Father's face was turned away from Jesus. Because of our sin, the righteous dying for the unrighteous, that Jesus bore it for himself and he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me as the Father's face is turned from him so that Jesus could die for our sin? And so now it's Jesus. Jesus is the reason. He is the one that makes us righteous. Our righteousness comes from him. As it says in verse 18, that the righteous died for the unrighteous. He suffered for us that he might bring us to God. So that now we know that God sees us and loves us. That his ears are open to our prayer. It's because of Jesus. He is what makes us different. Are you different today? Or have we just become like everyone that's around us? Are we salt? Are we distinguishable? Are we recognizable? Is Jesus in our heart and is it impacting how we live our life? He suffered for us to bring us to this place where we are in Christ, where we are righteous. Today, if you are a believer, are there people that God is putting on your heart. People that you want to see God reach. So we believe that God reaches people around us, through us. Are there people that we're believing for God to reach? I know for myself, there's two people that immediately come to mind. I've got a family member who's never had a life-changing encounter with Jesus. And I've got a friend who's been going through some really difficult times and who is not following Jesus, I want to see Jesus reach them. I want to always be prepared for the opportunity to share Jesus with them. I'm praying and believing that they would see something different inside of me, that they would see Jesus in me and would be willing to come to me with their questions that I would be able to stand courageously to share about the hope that's Jesus inside of me. What about for you today as a believer? If Are there people that come to mind that you would like to see God?